I can give you sound bites, or I can give you substance. But as for our opponents, the Ascension, there's a million and one things I could think to say about you. But the absolute worst thing that I could think of to say is that you're the Ascension, and that's that, you know how you do. Welcome to Cheap Podcast episode number 79. This is the Unprofessional Podcast about professional wrestling. I am your host, Dave New Diesel Rudden. Uh, Hankum Yank... No, wait. <laughs> Isaac Hankum uh, uh, Gilbert. Uh, Chris Racist Hulk Hogan Antista. Cool. Did you hear that clip? What? Did you, they, uh, the audio is out there, man. Did not hear it. I, like, up. as a podcast editor, it offends me. How <laughs> how horrible audio. it is! I can't hear anything. I, can't, some, I can barely hear the N word. I mean, I heard it. You hear it pretty clear. But yeah, somebody. I mean, it's almost inaudible. Somebody with their phone recorded the playback of it. It sounds like, and then just also bleeps every like. Uh, not beliefs, but just silences mm-hmm. every four seconds because he says a specific name, and they're like, "Ah, we don't want people to know this name." And mm-hmm. so, but once he says, "Like, if they're gonna do a rich, mm-hmm. like that's loud and clear." Should have been our yeah. exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, like moving on from the Orange Goblin, that is Hulk Hogan, to uh, a man who sets fire. Uh, I wanted to debut a new segment on this episode of Cheap Popcast. You know, we'll still talk about uh, what's going on in modern wrestling in the second segment, but I'm going to debut a new segment for Cheap Popcast called Kayfabe History, where Ooh. I attempt to go through in a wrestler's entire history of storylines uh, and try to make sense of it and try to tell you uh, the rich and deep backstories that... that Sometimes defy reality, and I thought, why not start with the masterclass of kayfabe history, Kane, also mm. known as a uh, Glenn Jacobs in reality, which we're not going to delve into that much. He had a few runs elsewhere. He was in the USWA and Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and he had two brief runs in WWE before becoming Kane. First was as Isaac Yankum DDS. Uh, he was an evil dentist who was uh, hired by Jerry Lawler uh, to extract revenge upon Bret Hart, and they had a match at SummerSlam. Good boy. Uh, just in case you want to know, Bret Hart did deal with a lot of shit in the uh, uh, in 1996. After Isaac Yankum had left, Glenn Jacobs returned as the new Diesel. As the previous Diesel, Kevin Nash departed WWE along with Razor Ramon. They started the NWO and WCW, but because WWE still had the trademark, they wanted to continue using the characters. So he was a a slightly less tall but slightly more ugly version of Kevin Nash's Diesel. And they, they tagged together for a few months, but nobody cared. Kane himself debuted in 1997. Paul Bearer had turned against The Undertaker earlier in 1997 and was was hinting at this demon from The Undertaker's past that was going to come back and, and extract revenge. And uh, that finally happened at Bad Blood 1997. This pay-per-view was also notable for the fact that in real life... Brian Pillman died that day. 
Uh, so in addition to that happening, this character of Kane, who uh, Paul Bearer had alleged that the Undertaker had burned in a fire that killed both of their parents. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Undertaker burnt his brother Kane in this fire. Kane came to extract his revenge during a wrestling match. The first ever Hell in a Cell match between The Undertaker and the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Uh, Shawn Michaels won. And at this point, he started wrestling regularly and uh, for a brief moment teased starting a tag team with The Undertaker that they had patched things up. But then he buried his brother in a casket match and set that casket on fire, which set up their first WrestleMania match, which The Undertaker won. WrestleMania 14 it yes. was. Yeah, and... At the very start, Kane was wearing full body outfit because it was implied he was covered in scars. Exactly. He had one arm free, but the rest was all like pleather. After WrestleMania, uh, there were certain situations where The Undertaker and Kane were forced together against uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin at the behest of Vince McMahon. This is actually where uh, Kane won his first title. It was in a first blood match where he only had one arm free, but Stone Cold Steve Austin had his whole body free. So it was one of the first times that uh, Kane defied reality in in a match. A 22-hour title reign it was. Uh, So then in 1999, uh, Kane was pitted against the corporation, which included The Undertaker, who had turned against uh, Kane at this point. Uh, he joined forces with another person who was uh, on the outs from the corporation, X-Pac. Uh, X-Pac's uh, teammates in his faction, Degeneration X, had turned against X-Pac, so Kane started teaming with this uh, really small wrestler. It was the first of many times that Kane, you know, this almost seven-foot giant, was teaming with a small person, and he would, like, throw the person around the ring and help help them out in tag team matches. He's an underrated uh, tag guy. Yes. He's held, held the tag belts a lot. The, this, I think, is his best team, at least of... Little guy with big guy, and especially one who had all the personality to go with his no personality. Yeah, and this is also where Kane finally started to show off his personality. He started using a voice box like Ned from South Park. <laughs> it's all the rage uh, in the late 90s. Because previous to this, Paul Bearer would just speak for him, or when when he wasn't with Paul Bearer, The Undertaker would speak for him. But at this point, he was starting to use a voice box. The, then he used his first words not using the voice box was, was a suck it. Oh, in true Degeneration X fashion. He also had a girlfriend at this point, Tori. But then shortly after they won the tag team titles, uh, X-Pac turned against Kane, rejoined Degeneration X, and also stole Tori, Kane's girlfriend, at that point. Swerve! Yes. The next few years were relatively light for storyline changes. He mostly would tag with The Undertaker and then feud with him, tag again. Uh, But then in 2002, Kane started a feud with Triple H, who had another secret from Kane's past. Uh, This secret was that Kane had sex with the corpse of a woman named Katie Vick. (sighs) He had a crush on this woman before she died, but when she showed up in the funeral parlor, he desecrated her corpse. And this was a very short-lived, like, it didn't even make it, by the time they fought, they kind of had just, like, pushed away the, uh... Each alleged he had done men with a corpse. It was just that they said there was semen in her body. Yeah. And and that Kane, yeah, and by this point, Kane was even showing his mouth, like, he had, like, kind of a Batman mask. Yeah. So after the Triple H feud, Kane teamed with another smaller wrestler, Rob Van Dam. But at this point, Kane lost to Triple H in a title for mask match, so he was gonna, if he would have beat... Triple H, he would have won the WWE title, but he lost, so he had to take off his mask. And it was a weird visual, because the first time Kane ever took off his mask, you know, this was like five years into his run, so people were really clamoring for it. Yeah. And he looked terrible. He had, like, dark eyes. Well, he had a he, splotch of hair on his head. It was very awkward Well, because he was wearing a mask that would go... He has to... Kind of like how it, with Batman, yeah. you have to wear eye makeup around your eyes yeah. be, uh, along with your mask. So when he take, 
took off the mask the first time, he still had the makeup yeah. around his eyes. And and then he just attacked Rob Van Dam instead of Triple H. Yeah, and it was also a very, it was kind of anticlimactic. We all thought, like, oh, he must be horribly disfigured. And then they said, like, oh, no, was, the scars were only in his mind, man. Uh. So yeah, he, followed, he he turned on Rob Van Dam, and later in the year he buried the Undertaker, uh, who at this point was a more of a biker than a, a mortician. Rolling, rolling, rolling. And uh, Taker returned at WrestleMania 20 in his original uh, demonic form and beat Kane there. He buried him alive and said he had killed him. Like he was saying, "I killed the Undertaker. Yeah. He is which dead. can't be legal even in wrestling." <laughs> and this is also when they changed his design so he would look just like he did in the movie See No Evil as yeah. well. Uh, so then in 2004, Kane started to stalk uh, Lita, one of the divas in the WWE. Oh, fuck. Uh, and and he, claimed, he claimed he had impregnated her. <laughs> and then in, at SummerSlam that year, he took on Lita's boyfriend in a match where the winner got to marry Lita. So he, he beat Matt Hardy and, and married her. Uh, uh, but later in the year, Kane fell on Lita during a match which caused her to miscarry. 2006, <laughs> uh, Kane was teaming with uh, The Big Show. And he started to see mentions of the date May 19th, which which haunted him for weeks. Coincidentally, that was the release day of his movie, See No Evil. On May 19th, he revealed that's the exact day that his family was killed in that fire. A week or two later, he was in, attacked by an imposter cane. Who then then the imposter cane beat him on a pay-per-view the next month, but uh, the mo- like a couple weeks after that, he beat up the imposter and just kicked him out of the WWE. It's another one of those things where P- WWE realized, like, this is a stupid idea. Let's just cut this off as quick <laughs> as possible. Wow. The next few years were uneventful, though. In 2007, he started to carry around the hook that his character did from See No Evil, which was weird. <laughs> uh, but in 2010... He started to hunt members of the WWE roster, claiming one of them had beaten The Undertaker into a quote-unquote vegetative state. <laughs> Announcers will continually say vegetative state. It was such a weird little I mean, I guess uh, it was in the term. news at the yeah. time with Terry Schiavo. Maybe. So. This culminated with Kane winning the Money in the Bank contract, which allows you to have a title shot at any point. He used it that same night that he won it to beat Rey Mysterio. He then revealed that it was uh, he, Kane, who put The Undertaker in a vegetative state. Then he defeated The Undertaker in a series of matches shortly thereafter, which was basically the end of The Undertaker's full-time run. So, like, Mm. now he just does one or two matches a year, and it's because, like, that was basically the end of The Undertaker as a regular character. In late 2011, Kane started wearing the mask again, including a, like, a second mask that he would wear during intros, like a, kind of like an iron mask. And that was like a mask with a wig, too. uh, So, at this point, he he was embracing his evil side, and one of his main goals was to bring out the evil in John Cena. Like the the most good good guy in WWE, so he would do things like attack Randy Orton. He injured uh, John Cena's best friend Zack Ryder by pushing him <laughs> off the ramp in a wheelchair. Yes. After that, in 2012, he started feuding with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. But part of this included him making out with AJ Lee, which was his first right. his first real romantic, or I, should I say, like a uh, yeah. uh, a reciprocal romantic relationship in over a decade. The lead thing was like mostly Kane, but this was AJ coming on to him too. The end of 2012 that brought Kane and Daniel Bryan together as Team Hell No. They Woo. they attended anger management classes together and would frequently hug each other. Like they would hulk out, and then hugging would bring them back to their normal state. Uh, but this was also kind of a tie-in. The WWE was trying to court Charlie Sheen for a match, and he had his show, Anger Management, and Daniel Bryan was flipping out against everybody. 
And what they were attempting to do a Daniel Bryan Charlie Sheen match. That's why we were they, they were doing anger management. Jesus, uh, that didn't come to pass. And the, you know they they were a team for for a while and won the tag team championship. After that team dissolved, Kane was hunted by the Wyatt family, a group of uh, spooky hillbillies. They beat him in a Ring of Fire match where the all of the ring ropes were on fire. Uh, Sounds cool. And abducted it was. they abducted Kane, but then Kane re- returned and was not uh, seemingly affected by that at all. Uh, actually, when he did return, he gave his his mask to Stephanie McMahon and joined the Authority, becoming Corporate Kane. And this is a role that he had for about about two years until late 2015. He returned as the Demon Kane, but kind of had a split personality at this point. Where it was so yeah. weird seeing him wrestling in you know Dockers, yeah, and that, yeah. like shirtless with Dockers, yeah. and he's yeah. a corporate employee who could be fired, like yeah. for being crazy. And he was yeah, like he basically looked like an angry dad just running outside in his like Dockers <laughs> and no shirt on. In late 2015, he uh, he took on Seth Rollins in a title versus job match. So uh, if Kane would have won, he would have got the title, but he lost. So Corporate Kane lost his job. Demon Kane was the only version of Kane at this point. And now he's basically a part-timer. So he, te- he teamed with The Undertaker at uh, The Undertaker's 25th anniversary, uh, Survivor Series 2015. And he appeared at the WrestleMania in the Battle Royal. But now he's basically on the same schedule as the undertaker where he'll appear every month or two. And, uh, you know, it's not quite as glamorous as when the undertaker comes back, but yeah, like that's pretty much Kane's history. I'm sure I missed a, well, uh, I mean, weird I, thing here or there. I guess to, a couple, I remember that at some point it was revealed that Paul bear was his dad, not the same yeah. father as the undertaker. And intermittently he lives under the ring, which has like red lights coming out of it mm-hmm. and is hell. Like yeah. it was really weird, and he tried to kidnap Be- Brie Bella through there as well. That's true. He doesn't have good relationships with women. He still he still does have his his command of fire, which includes making all the ring posts explode with fire. Uh, but also here and there, he can actually just like shoot fire out of his hands. But it's mostly just the 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 ring posts, which is not really he never really uses it to his advantage. It's just mm-hmm. a thing that he does during his entrance. Uh, but that is Kane's kayfabe history. Hope you enjoyed that brief wow. detour into Kane's history. That, uh, wow, you hear it all at once. You're like yeah. that is crazy. Yeah, I would love to hear if there's other characters you'd love to hear me run down in this exact same fashion. It's been a while. <laughs> Actually, all the stuff in the ring is relatively fine. It's what he did outside that was scary. But um, if you yeah. just kept a kayfabe, you'd say, and then he stopped existing, <laughs> and uh, it never happened, and nothing had mm. happened. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we'll be back with a look at modern wrestling in this week and when your answers to the crowd question. Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling will return after these messages. Previously on Cape Crisis, Laser Time's comic book podcast. Also, Dave, would you go on a cruise with Norman Reedus and Ernie Hudson? Well, it might got me thinking about Eve Horace. I'd rather. Go uh, well, uh, she hasn't been. Uh, she hasn't yeah. been signed up yet for the Wizard World cruise, Dave. <laughs> it is a con on a cruise ship. And wow. Seven hundred ish dollars for a ticket. Well, Norman Reedus is the biggest name confirmed, and there's a lot of nobodies Maybe on there. That means he dies on Walking Dead. He's oh, he's like I'm free. I can go on a cruise all I want, <laughs> baby. And Ernie Hudson is like when he's the second build guy on your crew on like your celebrity cruise, like you don't have a very yeah. strong yeah. showing on there. Virgil uh, from WWE, <laughs> wrestling superstar. <laughs> 
That's Cape Crisis, the weekly comic book podcast only on the Laser Time Network. Check it out once a week, every Thursday or Friday. And now back to Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Welcome back to Cheap Podcast, episode number 79. Now we're on to the part where we talk about uh, the various wrestling shows of the week. Brett is not here, so I, I guess in that case, I will handle both uh, I WWE mean, I watched running. NXT. All right, we'll, oh, we'll, can... we'll, we'll split that one. All right. Though I bet we have the same favorite match. I mean, there, there can yeah. only be one match. But, uh, favorite. Let's start but anyway. with Raw, which, again, was, was pretty good. What? I mean, but from match quality, it seemed better than uh, last, last week, week's, yeah. man. And, like, even the thought parts we... I thought would suck like Dr. Phil being there. Mm-hmm. He was all right. He was, he was as invisible as a celebrity host can be. And as like integrated into the show, it's not Jared from subway hawking his sandwiches during a segment. It's just like him saying it's like not women from the today yeah. show saying yeah. like, Hey, you're supposed to like us. Yeah, it's just Dr. Phil being like, here's some advice. Your daughter is yeah. not you and you are cheating yeah. and that is not good. He's getting uh, our truth. And Goldust ever closer, oh, yeah. but uh, I think they're finally a tag. I mean, I they so, fight, yeah. I think they tag on, on SmackDown. Yeah, they're in that they're in that bracket for yeah. the uh, tag team title shot. But uh, my favorite part of Monday Night Raw would probably be the opening match, which was Cesaro versus Kevin Owens. I think both that and the AJ Styles Sami Zayn match, they're both really good matches. Really good. Both matches that had the benefit of I didn't know how either was going to end. There was some mystery. It wasn't just to set up how good somebody was because they had. A storyline potential, yeah. like if person wins, X will happen yeah. later. Yeah. And instead of like, yeah, this guy's wrestling because they're wrestling, and eventually a DQ will happen because we don't want one person to win. Yeah. Instead, they were pretty much clean finishes too. Yeah. Uh, and Cesaro's match, I give it a little bit of the edge because for one thing, right now Cesaro is fresher because he just came back last week. This is his first singles match. Yeah. And it was really good. You know, like I thought there would be some sort of ring rust or anything, but it, mm-hmm. there wasn't really. And nah. like they they really built the psychology of his shoulder into the match really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The AJ Styles Sami Zayn match almost overemphasized uh, psychology. There was a lot of like ground stuff at the beginning, and it took a while. Like that built up to a great end. But I think Cesaro and Kevin Owens just, they pulled out more. Mm. Like, I don't think Kevin Owens had done, he did a frog splash at WrestleMania, but this was like the. Yeah, him doing his bullfrog splash, I think I saw people call it. That was great. Cesaro's shoulder giving out, trying to do the big spin. Still being able to pull off the neutralizer. Yeah. And yeah, I I really liked it. The only downside is I just, as somebody who loves a strongly Mm. booked bad guy, I don't like Kevin Owens taking too many falls, like too many falls. But that was a good one. Uh, it was a good time to do it to yeah. just establish Cesaro, but like, like Cesaro <laughs> just has to beat Miz, like, or else, yeah. or else his return is already getting cooled off. Like, a guy who is hot mm-hmm. does not lose to the Miz. Yeah, like, that's true. the Miz sucks. I I heard a great thing Jonathan Coachman said mm-hmm. about the Miz this week, which was he's a he's a great heel in that you can watch him lose and lose and lose and still want to see him lose more. Like he's. <laughs> That's shitty. Just, He's uh, like the Pringles of losing. Like, you can't just see him lose once. 
Once he pops onto the stage, yeah. you can't stop watching him lose. But Kevin Owens, uh, you know, I don't talk much about like the the sub SmackDown shows, mm-hmm. but he had a match against Dolph Ziggler on main event. That was one. It was really different because there was like a, just a lot of Kevin Owens like yelling stuff out because mm-hmm. it's like because it's before SmackDown, so the crowd's not even amped up yet. But just like him antagonizing. Dolph Ziggler, the referee, Rich Brennan. I saw the clip of Rich Bre- him, him breaking Rich Brennan's phone. He's like, he's just yelling out to Jerry Lawler, like, just say good <laughs> things about me, kind of. It, it was really good. And I like won that, that match, though. That was something. But, All right. Uh, uh, man, I'll have to watch main events. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, and he beat Dolph Boy. Oof, yeah. Dolph Ziggler losing yeah. on main event. Yeah. Ooh. But it was ooh. the main event of main event, at least. Well, still, though, Dolph. Ooh, boy. But let, let's move on to NXT. Wait, wait. No, we got to talk about the arrival of the Not Bullet Club. Oh, yeah. See, that was so understated. It was like, we, we all thought for months, like, how are they going to bring Bullet Club in? Mm-hmm. And it, they kind of didn't. It was like, they're just, it was just. They brought in Carl Anderson yeah. and Luke Gallows. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was a cool arrival, yeah. I think, yeah, but it was just it like, like, we're a tag yeah. team. We're beating up this tag team. It, yeah. it was a classic thing of that, but I did like that they kept their finish and called it the Magic Killer. Like, uh-huh. it still is that, which is good because, though, in Japan, Carl Anderson's finisher is the RKO slash Ace uh-huh. Crusher, and he simply can't do that. Like, mm-hmm. it's not even a variation on it. It's the RKO. Yeah. You see, most people don't see that because that's a singles finish. He doesn't. Uh. You, he didn't win it too many matches with it in tag. In At least in New Japan, tag matches are one with tag finishers, yeah. usually. But I wonder if they just keep them separate Them separate from, like, AJ Styles mm-hmm. and Finn Balor, I mean, at least from a storyline It'll be weird to see AJ and them on the same show and, like, not even yeah. interacting. I wonder if they will be able to resist that or if by, like, Raw next week they're just going to have, like, a backstage segment where they like yeah. walk by each other and give me give them the eye i mean this could also just be a slow burn of yeah. when they finally get their tag title match then they get help the third man appears yeah. in classic nwo form and it's finn balor oh. or or aj styles because uh they're coming up to the point where aj and or roman has to be the bad guy yeah. can't be a face versus face match at payback you wouldn't think and who knows? Maybe AJ yeah. turns instead, and maybe that's why they disassociated him from Y2J. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm excited that they're here. I'm excited they're beating up the Uso shitballs. The <laughs> it's an inauspicious debut. Like, oh, you beat up the Usos. Okay. Yeah, oh, you beat up the Usos. Good work on. You'll be the prelim match yeah. on uh, on the. You'll be the kickoff uh, Mountain <laughs> Dew starter match. Good luck. <laughs> uh, Anderson and Doc Gallows. Carl Anderson is a great singles dude. I can't wait to see him in singles as well. Uh, well, let's move on to NXT, which they're in this weird, like, I guess, two or three week period where it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's post TakeOver Dallas, but these matches were taped around, like, within they the were recorded day or the day before three. WrestleMania. Yeah so, were, yeah. so you can't even have that much story movement, but it did yeah. have a Shinsuke Nakamura match. For money reasons, they just have to do it. They're like, we've got the, uh, what do you call it? The, the access. We've yeah. got access here. So let's just record three episodes NXT. And so they did. And that's also, though, why, because it was at the fanniest show yeah. of the year. If they do it at full sale, always the results get out. But people aren't tweeting and, and like Instagramming every mm-hmm. moment of it. But this has all been spoiled for me. Not yeah. that I, well, I won't even say whether something interesting, really interesting happens in the next few weeks or anything. I did like on the show. I think Corey Graves mm-hmm. is becoming a really good, uh, a really good announcer. Yeah. Corey is great. And I like his chemistry with mm-hmm. the other guy. And uh, I like, for example, Corey was great calling out 
Uh, fire this announcer. He didn't say that Baron Corbin's the winner of the Andre the Giant Battle Memorial Royale. Like, because yeah, he because he wasn't when yeah. they taped it. It was it was a good, like, almost an inside joke. Like, oh, if mm. you know that when this was done, then it's a it, it adds a little bit of humor I like to that it. Smart stuff too. And the other thing that I've come to really like about NXT that is old school about yeah. it is that they have jobber matches yeah. like. You need jobber matches to set up people mm-hmm. to then have, like, you get to know who they are, yeah. you know? And that's what... I mean, this is essentially makes, what the entire episode yeah, was. It makes it a less interesting show, I yeah. suppose, but... Yeah. I think the main event proves, and I think... I don't know if you agree with me, like, that was the best part of the oh, episode. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like, proving that Shinsuke Nakamura can work on... A, he can work with a jobber match and still make it super fun. Yeah. Well, because in... That, that's, like, what, one-third of the time? That, that was absolutely the, the main event match yeah. of it. But, yeah, I I was interested to see where this would go because the type of a five-minute match mm-hmm. or a ten, five- to ten-minute match against a jobber is really not something he did in New Japan anymore. That's not... New Japan really has two types of matches, pretty much. It has its marquee matches of one-on-one stuff, and then almost everything else is set up in tags. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost always like, if you if you are a New Japan World mm-hmm. subscriber, you'll see a shitload of six-man tag matches, mm-hmm. or, or just regular tag matches that are honestly exist for no reason other than to maybe move along yeah. the story like shinsuke for i think in the last two years not counting the, t- the couple months of the g1 climax mm-hmm. he never had singles matches that weren't like a semi-main event and so i was curious to see how he'd do this especially going from like being such a top tier dude like he would never have a singles match with a guy on the level <laughs> of of ty dillinger like but I, I thought I thought it was a very work. fun match. Yeah, and I expect like Ty Dillinger is a good first opponent because he has something you can bounce off of. Like yeah. they had what's his name, My favorite... Angelo Dawkins early in the night. It's like oh, this is just a generic guy. He keeps like stirring an imaginary pot. That's weird. Yeah, but uh, meanwhile, Ty Dillinger, Ty Dillinger is really yeah. great. I like him as a jobber. Like yeah. he's an A plus jobber. And the funniest moment mm. in the whole show was him doing the tens in yeah. Shinsuke's face and Shinsuke just going like. Huh? And then just looking at the ref like, what is this? Him just nodding his head around. It was that was hilarious. I love that stuff. And I also do like speaking to Corey Graves again, when Nakamura hit his big finisher, he called it like a Japanese person would or a Japanese commentator uh. would call it by shouting <laughs> Kinshansen or whatever it's called. I still call it the Bombay. Uh so let's move on to Lucha Underground. It was a it was a really good show. I yeah. like that there. I mean, the trios thing was the main. I mean, the main event was the best match. The yeah. trio stuff, uh, though. Honestly, I well, I think those Dragon Azteca Junior. Mm-hmm. He like that spinning shit he did yeah. into the DDT. It was amazing. I I also wondered how they do it. Of like Puma, Dra- Azteca, and Rey Mysterio are all different versions of flippy good guy. Yeah. And I wondered how they would be different. Like, yeah, you're all flippy good guys, and you're all really good at being flippy. I almost feel bad for Ray because he's so old and his knees are held together by gum yeah. and hope. He, but, uh, he held his own in this yeah, match, he I did. felt. he did. He did a uh, lot. And, and uh, it, was just, it was weird just to see Ray Mysterio in a match that mattered. Yeah. Because, like, his last few, like, his last year or two in WWE is just like, 
uh, you'll fight for the Intercontinental Ch- Championship, or, or you'll be one guy in the Royal Rumble, or you'll be one guy in this 10-man tag match. But it was never like, he never got a big singles feud for like I his last say, two years. Yeah, they they seem to work real hard to cool him off. And so, but now he's come back and, and like, there is no cooling him off. He is Rey Mysterio. He yeah. is a big-ass deal. And he, he always will be. Like yeah. Dario Cueto called him a couple episodes ago. You're the most famous luchador in in the yeah. world, and you know, I I believe that. I think he is. You know, El Santo was that generation before, but he is now. Yeah. Uh, but also, I'm just pumped for the uh, Matanza Mil Muertes. I can't believe yeah. they're doing that so soon. Yeah. Like I thought, like there was a reason they didn't face each other in that. Uh, they kept the, them separate yeah, there, and then they immediately world, yeah. put them together. Yeah. I I mean, it it is weird. I think they're recognizing that they're like, well, we just had a monster champion. Yeah. And then they transitioned the belt to Phoenix for like one week and then put it on a different monster. It's just like, can't a good guy hold it for, I guess, <laughs> then again, Prince Puma held it for the entire first season. Yeah. So I guess it's also it, it's in a weird spot up. where it's like, well, he's the, he's the brother of Dario Cueto, who was mm-hmm. kind of a good guy because he took the show from a bad guy. So yeah. does that by proxy make... Montanza a good guy? Well, but it's then, like heel on heel. And I, yeah. yeah, I mean, Dario Cueto is not a good guy, He's uh, yeah. but he's a lovable guy. Yeah, easy, I think yeah, anyone easy. over like 275 pounds, I think, is by proxy just a bad guy. It is one of those things, too. Like, I wonder if Mil Mortes was on uh, WWE, if you'd just be like, oh, you're not big. Like, yeah. that's the that was what I wondered when Gallows is one of those rare mm-hmm. things. In New Japan... If you're a normal sized guy, you are small in America. Mm-hmm. And if you're a big guy in New Japan, you're an average sized guy in WWE. And I think it's kind of the same deal with Lucha. Uh, except Gallows is one of those rare examples like, oh, he's big in WWE mm-hmm. as well, or at least kind of big. I did want to talk quickly about New Japan mm-hmm. as well, because they had their uh, monthly pay per view ma- major event or whatever uh, NJPW Invasion Attack from Tokyo. And uh, actually, there's a follower on Twitter uh, who lives in Tokyo who ah. was at the event. He's, I believe he's an American, but who, an expatriate anyway. And yeah, he talked about it. it was a full house, huge packed audience. Like, And they are in a weird transitional period. Like, this is kind of their first big thing after the Dome event. Like, they've still, they were kind of like coasting mm-hmm. on the way to the Dome, but this is now the start of the new chapter. Kind of like how... Either SummerSlam or Money in the Bank really kind of starts a new mm-hmm. year truly in WWE because Payback and Extreme Rules are usually coasting a bit on eh, WrestleMania happened. We're still talking about WrestleMania a little bit. And it's kind of like that for New Japan. But So at Invasion Attack, I would say the best match of that was it was Will Ospreay making his New Japan debut. He's a British dude who I've heard from indie lovers is mm-hmm. super awesome. I've never seen a full match of his before. And he faced Kushida, a.k.a. the Time Splitters guy, the Back to the Future fan, ah. uh, who is the New Japan Junior Heavyweight Champion in a very, very good match. It was yeah. amazing. It was an amazing submission-based flippy match. Mm-hmm. So it was tons of same kind of psychology you're talking about was in the Cesaro match, mm-hmm. except with cruiserweight style. It was really good. Though from a storyline perspective, it was weird because the Bullet Club is kind of like down in the dumps. Like they lost mm-hmm. Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows were the OGs of the Bullet Club. And with them gone, they're trying to rebuild it. And like Tamatonga, they did recapture the tag belts with the help of um, Haku's actual son, ah. the former Camacho, mm-hmm. if you remember him. And so they're a tag team, but they're just like, they got they got some growing to do. 
and but then again the elite is doing really good like kenny omega had a really good trios match where they lost the never trio Mm -hmm. three man six man belt whatever you call it and cody hall got real hurt like oh yeah i heard about that uh, they said he was banged up but no broken bones no concussions but he went straight to the hospital it was is nuts because you know it happened at like two in the morning pacific coast Mm -hmm. time and like as soon as he woke up scott hall put out a tweet saying New Japan, contact me right now. What is going <laughs> on? Like he couldn't figure out. He Jesus. only found out a couple hours later when one of the young bucks tweeted, "We've seen Cody. Mm-hmm. He's okay." Yeah. And so that was. You look at it. It's like it was not a good spill. He mm-hmm. caught. He caught a jump wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, yeah, the main event was Okada faced Okada faced Naito, mm-hmm. who is the head of the evil the new evil stable mm-hmm. Los Ignobles de de Japón. Mm-hmm. Which is like they're the ignobles of Japan, but uh, his whole thing is like I don't give a shit, man. I'm a dick and I cheat all the time. <laughs> he's he's totally a he's even more of a Western style bad guy than Bullet, Bullet Club was, I'd say. And uh, he won the belt. He oh, through wow. a ton of cheating, he won the belt off of Okada, and he is a champion. He did something I had never seen anybody do. Not even Bullet Club did this. He was presented with a title. And then he beat up the ref for giving him the title. Mm-hmm. And then he looked at the title, a championship he has been chasing his entire career that he was like not screwed out of, but like the fans rejected mm-hmm. him in a Roman Reigns style thing yeah. of like, we don't want you to be champ. And he didn't win it. Mm-hmm. He finally has it in his hands. And then he just flings it in the air like it's a pizza <laughs> and it just drops to the ground. And he just leaves. And like, oh, yeah. that is the most like. In yeah. a culture built so around respect, that is one of the most disrespectful things you can do. It's like folding a business card. And for a Japanese star to do yeah. that on top of that, was it was mind-blowing. I was like, whoa. But the audience was even cheering for him. I think they yeah. like a, he's such a bad boy. Invasion Attack was really good. And they're getting into G1 Climax time yeah. soon. So keep an eye out for it. I might it. have to check this out just because like, this is again at English commentary, right? It did by Steve yeah. Carino and Kevin Kelly. Steve and, Carino is better, yeah. Kevin Kelly. And also Steve Carino, by his own estimation, says he has a third grade knowledge of yeah. Japanese. And so... Uh, he did some minor translations a couple times. He's like, oh, oh, wait, he meant clever, not not smart. As long as Yoshitatsu was in the ring and not the He was in the ring. Table. That was uh, sad for Yoshitatsu in that people were kind of happy, like, yeah, you're back. Yeah. But they were much more excited for Michael Elgin. Yeah. Like, everybody loves, in Japan, they love Michael Elgin. And at the end of the match, when they won the belts, like, they're chanting for mm-hmm. Michael Elgin, and Michael Elgin, in kind of a sad way, just has to be like, no <laughs> way, shakes his head, points at Yoshi, like, Cheer for Yoshi, please. Yeah. <laughs> he just came back, and then they start chanting Yoshi Tatsu, but you knew their hearts were. <laughs> uh, so let's go to uh, the crowd question. Last week's crowd question was: What part of WrestleMania weekend did you feel went underappreciated? A couple people mentioned that last week's episode was a bit short. Mm. Uh, we didn't quite hit every beat of WrestleMania weekend just because there was so much of it. So this was your chance to talk about little things that you that you liked. Uh, OBGYN Kenobi said the American Alpha versus Revival match was great. It got overshadowed by the other great matches on that show. I love old school tag team wrestling, and I get the comparison to a Steiner's versus Tully and Arn match. Chad Gable might be my favorite all around performer now, and I never thought Jason Jordan would be anything than just <laughs> another guy with no charisma. Raw this week was feeling like uh, NXT show because they're. They just had things with a purpose, a tournament. I love wrestling yeah. tournaments, and WWE always fucks them up, but it doesn't feel like it with yeah. the tag teams. And also just having, like, they have more than one tag feud, and they yeah. have one, more than one women's feud. Yeah, they, 
That hasn't ever happened. I feel like it's never happened on Raw. Yeah. Well, speaking of women's feud, Trinkle Best says, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the 10-woman tag match during the pre-show. What? It wasn't perfect. Lana only gave two or three kicks, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was way better than the shit that WWE normally shits out. Shout out to Naomi for attempting a crossbody on Paige and landing on the ropes in a hilarious angle. <laughs> so it's kind of shit how Bree's retirement was on the pre-show and not on the main show and got cut off like immediately after. And, <laughs> and not only that, but then they just went to like, and now the new belt and the death yeah. of the divas and this title is over. But I mean, you'll see the real yeah. version of that on Total Divas. That's yeah, but what like, it's about. If you compared that one match to mm. every WWE Divas match from like the f- previous five WrestleManias, it was still it had way more time mm. and was better worked than most of them. And like I yeah, thought it was that, like I, I watched it again just Yeah, that ten women's like, that ten woman match was better than last year's just nothing tag yeah. match. Like that a tag match was bullshit. That like we I was, saw I was so surprised when people tagged back in. It was like, mm-hmm. what? That's that never happens with Divas tags matches. Like everyone yeah. gets their one spot and then so. And then they kind of roll under the ropes and let yeah. the next person have their spot. Uh, Stebby Joe said Finn versus Joe because they're both great wrestlers and work well with each other. Despite some thinking Joe should have won, and despite Zayn versus Nakamura being so good before, and despite many complaining that the medical team stop stoppages ruined it, which to be fair, it did ho- overall hinder the experience. But I still think they worked through it. Particularly Joe, who clearly agreed with the crowd uh, about the stoppages. Did you see the clips of Shane's kids sitting with Stephanie mm-hmm. and Linda and the kids chanting along with this yeah. is bullshit when the medics were there? That was, that was pretty kids great. Kids will take any, any opportunity. I know, but <laughs> just... Well, meanwhile, you know, Linda... Well, who knows what Linda's thinking, yeah. but you, you know Steph is thinking... Samoa Joe should be letting him (laughs) fix his eye. This is so unprofessional. I'm going to give him such a talking to. Uh, Chinese Ninja Social Justice Warrior said, I know you guys already mentioned the Asuka Bailey match, that it was overshadowed by Nakamura versus Zayn. But seriously, it's a damn shame because out of that context, it's an excellent match. Bailey really brought her A game in terms of offensive moves more than ever before. But her tapping out and not passing out was a fantastic finish that felt like a nod to UFC 196 and Holly Holmes lost to Misha Tate. Mm. Uh, Jihan83 said, The New Day match with the League of Nations because it was a, <laughs> because it was a damning indictment of how creatively bankrupt the WWE is. By throwing out some old wrestlers for cheap pops, it shows how weak the roster is in two ways. On one hand, the recent state, spate of injuries shows how small the roster is. On the other, by re- relying on relatively old men, the WWE is depriving current and new talent of the WrestleMania moments. How are they supposed to become bigger in the face of ineffectual stunners and the rock showboating and lying about ticket sales? Kez and Enzo could have had an amazing intro and the same kind of charismatic heels that the New Day began as between helping and harassing the unicorn herd and burying the league. But no, we needed another clip of Stone Cold stunning a black man. I've heard some arguments mm. that WrestleMania this year at least should have been yeah. treated as non-canon and yeah. just like, eh, this is this is a legend show. And yeah. so... It doesn't really matter, especially in that everything got undone the next night. So it really was just like, let's celebrate wrestling in the WWE. Let's not finish storylines yeah. because it kind of didn't. In almost yeah. every case, it didn't finish any storylines yeah. except, I guess, technically Triple H is off TV. Yeah. And also, did you hear that story about uh, Stone Cold and his injury in that Yeah, match? he has yeah. like a rotator cuff injury. Yeah, he's, he's had a torn rotator cuff yeah. this whole time, but he he's going to just tape yeah. himself up and do his shit. He said he'd do it. Yeah, there, there's like a ton of funny little stories about that, like how 
Mick Foley had to get himself really fit for that match. Like yes. he did DDP yoga just so he could like do a couple punches and the the Sako thing. But mm-hmm. apparently, the reason Shawn Michaels is the only one that's wearing his wrestling gear is because Vince told him like, no, everyone's wearing the wrestling gear. You need uh, to get in shape, wear your wrestling gear, and then when he like got to WrestleMania, he's like, wait, Stone Cold and the Mankind are wearing their regular shit, yeah. not not wrestling gear, but he looked well, good in it, so he went out. He, with I it. mean, he looked fucking awesome. But then again, yeah. I mean, Mick was in his wrestling gear and that sweatpants yeah. and a and a cactus jacket t-shirt are his wrestling gear and yeah. have been for a very long time uh but also that like they talked about how kaz and enzo you gotta yeah. listen to both their episodes of stone cold podcast but on their second one kaz and enzo talked about how like in nxt practice they yeah. used to do stunner parties or like all right i'm gonna hit you with a stunner yeah. do your crazy stunner style and so that's how he said rusev did yeah. a great classic stunner fall I- xavier's was good too yeah. like i I'd imagine like for them, that was probably like, uh, whatever, our match is fine. But like, mm-hmm. we get to get Stone Cold stunned and get to have like a Scott Hall like explosion. So yeah, and so look, it doesn't count. Like, who cares? Yeah. It's the old guys show up. I mean, yeah, it's sad that they didn't get a real match or whatever. But and also poor King. I mean, that's really like the end of King Barrett too. So yeah. hey, at least he got to say words on a microphone before yeah. getting beat up by a bunch of old men. Uh, so new crowd question. Uh, you know, we started with kayfabe history this episode. What is a story that you thought was told well in WWE? Mm, boy. Uh, I mean, for me, it would have to be the one that got me back into WWE, which is like Stone Cold's battle with Vince McMahon, like fighting the boss. It was like, I mean, they took basically a really terrible situation with Bret Hart and turned it into the best character WWE had for years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, granted, even that went to stupid places, but it, for, like at its core, it was just like, of course, like this guy, he's foul mouthed, and he's the person you don't want representing the company. That makes sense. And nowadays, it's like, well, why wouldn't the authority <laughs> want John Cena, Roman Reigns, to be champion? They're like, they're good looking guys that do a lot of charity, mm-hmm. and they're not like they don't do evil shit like so. Yeah, I mean, that's the disconnect that it doesn't work when they tried to when they tried to do it just recently with like Vince McMahon doesn't like Roman Reigns. Like, no, he does. We we know yeah. he's the one who likes him more than anyone. <laughs> yeah. And no matter how much character Vince McMahon talks about it, we know he doesn't like, he does like Roman Reigns. And uh, the one I'd go with, I mean, it had a, it had a pretty good ending. The CM Punk versus Mm -hmm. Paul Heyman feud when it, I guess you could say it began with when Paul Heyman screwed CM Punk out of the money in the bank uh, by actually cutting his head open with a uh, with a ladder on his head and then cm punk spent the summer battling his way through all of his dudes including brock lesnar and a match of the year contender like so damn good uh and then ending it with pretty much a good punctuation point of he beats ryback in hell in the cell goes up on the top of the hell in the cell hits paul him with the gts and celebrates the end yeah and that was it and I mean, you look back on it, that was the end of really CM Punk's last real storyline. Like, technically, he had the thing of the best in the world Mm -hmm. tag team with with Daniel Bryan, which just told me, like, oh, we don't have plans for you. And then his, like, half feud with the Shield, which made the Shield look like dweebs. Anyway, Mm -hmm. and the side note, like, I definitely loved the Sami Zayn after the NXT title feud, basically from the end of 2014 to his big title win at the takeover. Like that was, that was a very well told story. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode of G podcast. Leave your answers to this question below this episode's post on uh, lasertimepodcast.com. 
Uh, Henry, do you have any plugs you'd like to leave with? Oh, I mean, so many, but let's get a few out of the way. Cape Crisis, my comic book podcast you should listen to every week, where we do a kayfabe history in, in a way called the Superhero Spotlight, where we do a biography of a certain superhero every week. Uh, plus, we talk about all the new events in comic books. Plus, let me just talk about 302010, the wonderful uh, time capsule of a podcast where we go through what happened that week 20 30 years ago 20 years ago and 10 years ago and not to mention there's talking simpsons the weekly exploration of every episode of simpsons from the beginning we are in the start of season three and of course there's laser time the podcast that started it all uh, and yes, there's also Laser Time's Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time. We have a weekly bonus show, bonus time there. Uh, we also do every month a comic book TV show commentary and a wrestling match commentary. Uh, yep. We most recently did the ladder match from WrestleMania 31 that we were at. So we got to add a little bit of uh, insight there and, mm, and talk about times. how great of a match it was. And yeah, it was it was good fun, and uh, there's basically no sinking necessary on your part. It's very easy to watch. Just don't to tell Vince in. about yeah. it, okay? But yeah, patreon.com slash laser time. It is well worth your money and a great way to directly support us because this is our full-time job, yeah. everybody. We do it We do it for love, but we also need rent. Uh, YouTube.com slash laser time network is the home of a bunch of great videos that we do every week, including a number of wrestling ones like yeah. the Superman Batman Battle Royal yeah. and our WrestleMania 32 predictions. How correct were we? Yeah. And uh, not to spoil anything, but we'll have a lot more wrestling videos on that soon. Uh, but in the meantime, yes, this is the end of this episode of Cheap Podcast. We'll be back soon with another one. Bye. I'm the product of the bottom of a mind as you Psychotic over chronic based with rage and lust Stomping all opposition to their brains and smudge Better wars from the force after blood pour forth I endorse only sports of the dangerous sort Saving three first degree maniac unseen And can't nobody stop the big man